right. Well, good evening, everybody. It's so nice to see you tonight, and thank you so much for joining me here. Uh, I obviously can't see you, but I can always feel you watching me, and I know so many of you are dialed in right now, and I want to say thank you so much for watching. Uh, tonight is a very important special night as Passover begins, and if you did not get a chance to dial in this morning to watch the live stream that I had with Solomon Lopez, I would highly, highly encourage you to dial in and listen to that uh, Facebook Live that we had this morning. It was absolutely fantastic. And if you don't know what Passover is, you've never had a really good teaching on Passover or how you can practice Passover at your own house over the next week and celebrate this feast, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that Facebook Live that we had this morning. It was absolutely fantastic. Tonight, we're going to talk about the power of the cross, and we're going to talk about having faith in the power of God and not, and not having faith in the wisdom of man. And that's such an important concept and understanding right now with all that we're facing and all that's going on from the White House and the CDC and all the voices, everybody that has an opinion, all the theories and everything that's going on. It's very, very important that we as Christians understand where we get our information from and what we put our hope and our faith and trust in during times like this. And so we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But before we do, what I'd like to do is uh, receive an offering right now. And I would like to ask each of you that are at home and are watching to please support us during this time. There are a lot of families that we are helping with food and HEB gift cards and bills and anything that we can do to support them during this time. And I would like to ask all of you to please continue supporting us and giving to us and making a sacrifice during these difficult times. Uh, there are several different ways that you can give. You can give online via our website at rockcitycorpus.com. Don't go to rockcitychurch.com because there's a few other Rock City churches out there. Uh, go to rockcitycorpus.com and you can give to Rock City Church directly from there. Also, you can text 77977 to rock, and then uh, once you text that, put in Rock City Corpus in all caps, and uh, that will enable you to set up an account, and then in turn you can do recurring giving or always give right from your smartphone. And then, of course, if you would like to mail in a check or drop off a check at our offices, we do have our office staff here throughout the week. And our address is 10309 South Padre Island Drive, which is uh, in Flower Bluff, which is in Corpus Christi, right at the corner of Waldron Road and SPID. And so thank you so much for supporting us. Thank you for giving. Thank you for making a sacrifice during this time, uh, especially for those of you that are still working. It's very, very important that you continue to give and put the Lord first. And those of you that have lost your jobs or are on unemployment, I would really ask you to pray and ask the Lord what you're supposed to do during times like this. All of us have to make sacrifices. All of us are making sacrifices. And so uh, thank you all so much for giving. Thank you for believing in me, in Rock City Church, all the phenomenal leaders that we have here that are working so hard during this time. I really appreciate your care and your love and your concern for us. And so thank you so much for your financial contribution during this time. A couple other quick things before we dive into the word tonight. Uh, tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock, I will be hosting a Facebook Live with a very dear friend of mine, Dr. Keith Rose, who is a plastic surgeon and a medical doctor. He is a part of our church, 
and he really has some incredible insight and understandings from a medical standpoint, but most importantly from a spiritual standpoint. And so that's going to be a lot of fun tomorrow. You'll want to dial in. He is intense. He's passionate. He is a PK. His dad is a, is a pastor in Lano, just actually in Lano, Texas. And he's a wonderful, wonderful man. We had a really great conversation yesterday. And Keith comes from a very rich heritage. And his passion and his love and his desire for the things of the kingdom and also to see Rock City Church flourish during these times is huge. So please tune in tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock if you can. Also, as a reminder, we are doing prayer sets at 9 a.m. every day and 9 p.m. every day. And then we're also doing a noon devotion. So you can tune in three times a day, not counting our live stream, and stay connected with us. And we pray for you, keep in touch with you, know how you're doing. And if there's something that you need specifically during these times, whether it's food or finances, you're going through an extremely difficult time, we will do whatever we can to help you. And so please reach out to us. There's a lot of different ways that you can reach out. You can reach out right through Facebook. You can reach out directly to our offices by calling the church. Uh, you can submit a prayer request right through our website. And you can even post comments. Uh, most of the leaders are watching the live streams and we'll see these comments as they're being posted. So know that we love you, we care about you, and we're so thankful that we have you watching and staying connect to us, connected to us during this time. We miss you and we miss being together. Uh, I don't think that I can do this very much longer. It's extremely difficult for me. Uh, and I think it's getting a little bit more challenging as time goes by to come into the sanctuary and not have corporate worship together with you and to not see your faces. I'm having some fun with it. Like on Sunday, I had a lot of fun with it. And uh, I, I have a really great imagination, so I imagine you guys sitting here and for years and hundreds and hundreds of messages seeing your faces. And so know that we miss you, we love you, and I really do have great faith and confidence that this is going to end soon and that we will be back to worshiping the way that we have for so long. In fact, it's going to be even better. I've got a feeling it's going to be even better. So let's pray and we'll dive into the word tonight. Jesus, thank you so much for your faithfulness and your kindness, your love, your grace, and your mercy. Thank you for everybody that's watching tonight on this Wednesday night, uh, the start of Passover. Thank you, God, for all my friends that I've known for so many years, those that I've known from my past and those that are in my life now. Thank you, God, for all those that are watching and peering into my life and what I have to say and what's happening at Rock City Church during this time, all over this nation and all over the world. I thank you, Father God, that during this time, churches are having such an incredible impact through the airwaves, through media, through social media, to impact people's lives in their homes in ways that might not have ever happened. And I thank you, Father God, for what you're doing, what you've done, and what you're about to do. And we are expectant, and we are hopeful, and we are believing God for the days ahead to be even better than the former days. That's what I believe, that the latter days will be better than even the former days. And I thank you so much, Lord God, for being with me tonight as I teach on the cross, Lord. Give me the right words to say and give us ears to hear and eyes to perceive and a heart to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So uh, as you can see, I'm sitting down tonight. And uh, some of you might have jumped on the, the, the feed with Solomon this morning, but 
basically I had excruciating pain in my hip all of a sudden last night and I did not know where it came from. It was absolutely brutal. I thought I possibly had broken my hip, but yet I didn't do anything to, for that to happen. And so I was up all night with this excruciating pain in my hip. And this morning I went to the doctor and basically I've got some inflammation. I must have done something, maybe working around the property and lifting hay bales and chicken feed and deer corn and all the stuff that we're doing these days. Um, and maybe it's because I haven't been in the gym for the last three weeks. I don't know what it is, but uh, I'm ready to get back to working out. I don't know. How about you? And so anyway, I'm sitting down tonight. We're going to be a little bit more com- conversational, and I want to take time to really teach you and talk with you about the cross. This is a centerpiece understanding right next to the resurrection in the kingdom of God and one of the most foundational belief systems that we look to and lean on for our faith. And maybe you've never had a really good teaching and understanding on the cross. There's a lot of things to say about the cross. And of course, you know, if I had my way, I would get it all in in this teaching. I know that you know that. But uh, I'm actually going to try to not go so long tonight so that I can get home and be with my kids before they go to bed. You know, I cherish my time with my kids every single night. I know that I can't get those day, these days back. My kids are five and seven, and I just absolutely love my bedtime routine with them. We pray, we listen to worship music, and it's just a really, really special time. And so um, I'm going to try to knock through this pretty quickly so that I can be with them. But at the same time, I want to really help you to understand how important the cross is. On Sunday, I talked about the blood of Jesus, and it was literally, it's one of my favorite teachings. And if you did not have a chance to listen to Sunday's message, I would really encourage you to go back and listen to it. I talked about that in Jesus' blood is the perfect antibody to stand against all the lies of the enemy and all the deception of sin and even our own self-destructive patterns and tendencies. So uh, go back and listen to Sunday morning's message if you have not listened to it. So tonight, we're going to talk about the message of the cross, and we're going to talk about this this reality that there's a message of the cross, but there's also an effect of the cross. And what I mean by that is that because of what Jesus did on the cross, there is a resulting effect that transforms our lives and causes us to live differently. There's a message of it, but there's also an effect of it. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, but... um, Before I actually go into it, I do want to say this. You know, when I first became a pastor or even got into ministry, I had to really struggle with this feeling of that I had to really be great and that everything I said in my speech and uh, how good of a speaker I was and how excellent of a speaker I was was very important, but I also found myself putting a lot of pressure on myself. And I would imagine a lot of you do that sometimes. Or maybe you feel like you don't have the right words of what to say or how to say it. And I'm going to show you right now from the Bible where excellence of speech and being such a great speaker doesn't move the heartbeat of God. And actually, your own great words isn't what transforms lives. It's the word of the Lord inside of you and his spirit that's on you and the message that you're preaching that transforms people's lives. So let's take a look at 1 Corinthians. We're going to start with 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. And so the Apostle Paul, writing to the Corinthian church, says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, 
did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God or the mystery of God. And so Paul, right off the bat, slays this mindset that we have to have excellent of speech, excellence of speech. In fact, God often uses people that don't know how to say it so great or don't have the best of words. And I get it. You know, we live in a day and age with TED Talks and even great ministers and speakers that are phenomenal. They're, I mean, I listen to them and I'm like, wow, I could not have said that any better. But you can't compare yourself to other people and you've got to make sure that what you're teaching and what you're saying and what you're doing is not in your own words, but rather in his words. And that you're being authentic and true to yourself. You don't have to make yourself great. Jesus is the one that makes you great. Never forget that. And he has a purpose and a plan for our lives. And whatever it is that he wants to do, that's what I want him to do. And so you've got to be careful that you're not self-promoting yourself or trying to make yourself greater or better than what you should be. Just be yourself, let Jesus do what Jesus does best, let him work through your life, and realize that you don't have to have excellence of speech or the wisdom of man or all this great wisdom and understanding to declare the mysteries of God into people's lives. And so verse 2, for I determined, so Paul makes it clear, he says, I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That is a central theme to our faith and a central theme to what our understanding should be in our life. Without the cross, and of course without the resurrection, but like I said on Sunday, you're never going to know the resurrected Christ until you know the crucified Christ. The cross came first because the cross would reverse the curse. Now, had Jesus not resurrected from the grave, we wouldn't have a living God. We would have a dead God just like every other God that exists in this world system. But we have a living God who fights for us, who lives in us, who walks with us, who speaks with us. But that only happened because he made it to the cross and he fulfilled his mission and his purpose to take all of our shame, our guilt, our sin, the chastisement of our peace, all the things that we deserved for the failures and mistakes and hurts and pains that we caused others, or even just the poison of sin that came down through the garden, through Adam and Eve, into our own lives. You know, I pray that our children never do what I did, or what maybe so many of you did. I pray that Zion and Cadence, my two children, never have to go down the road that I go down, or that I went down. I pray they never have to go to jail and do drugs and sleep around and do all the things that they did in my own past. That's my prayer. But they're still going to need to receive Jesus into their life just as I did and just as everyone else has to. Because all of us were born with a carnal nature. All of us were born with the, the, the intellectual mindset of ourselves and the result of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in their lives. And so Zion and Cadence are going to have to surrender their lives to Jesus. Cadence prayed the prayer at five. She twisted my arm. She's like, why can't I be born again? And I really couldn't think of any good reason. I, I tried to think, well, maybe she's a little too young, and, but she wasn't, and she went for it. And uh, Zion's five now, and he's starting to ask those same questions. And, you know, but it's not like they have all this crazy sin in their life, but they do have a carnal nature inside of them. And even from their childhood, they were fighting over their toys. And still to this day, 
that everything's a competition, hitting, kicking, chasing, uh, all these things that they do that we didn't teach them that are rooted inside of their carnal nature, that's going to have to be redeemed. And so Paul says, I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I want to challenge you tonight, especially as we go into Passover, where literally Jesus would be put on that cross Friday on Friday and raise again on Sunday. And as we're headed through Holy Week and Passion Week from Palm Sunday to Resurrection Sunday, I really want you to get a good understanding about the cross. And so Paul says, the number one thing I determined to know is Jesus Christ and him crucified. So I want to know the man Jesus. I want to hear from him. I want to be guided by him. I want to be directed by him. I want his spirit to live in me because he's alive. And I want to only know him. And I want everything to point back to him. But I also need to understand what he did and why he did it and what happened when he went to the cross. Let's look at verse 3. Paul says, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. You know, this is a scripture that I really can identify with. Paul is saying, look, in the years that I spent with you, I was with you in the midst of fear. I was in the, with you in the midst of trouble and struggles and hardship and difficulties. And he says that in much trembling, I stood with you. And many of us are going through struggles and challenges and fears and trembling and hardships, but we have to stay committed to one another no matter what we face. And just as Jesus was with his disciples on earth in fear and trembling and hardship and difficulties and weakness, Paul was with the churches he planted, and now we are with each other in fear, weakness, and much trembling. And it all goes back to the cross. Look at verse 4. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in a demonstration of the spirit and of power. Why? Verse 5. That your faith would not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So I titled this message tonight, Faith in the Power of God. And basically what happens is, if we don't have faith in God's power, in his healing, his deliverance, his salvation, his redeeming and rescuing, his transforming, uh, everything that comes with his supernatural power, even to drive back COVID-19. I put my full faith in the Lord against every onslaught of the enemy, sickness, disease, and I fully believe that he's all-powerful and as powerful today as he ever was. I believe the miracles of Acts and the miracles of Jesus' life are as available to us today as they were then. And so Paul's saying, I didn't come to you with these great persuasive words. I didn't come to you with human wisdom, but I came to you demonstrating or exhibiting the power of God. Why? So that you would literally trust that God has the ability to rescue and redeem you from every situation and circumstance more than this world system or the wisdom of man or uh, excellence of speech. So we've got to get past excellence of speech. We've got to get past wisdom of man. We've got to get past answers even from this world. You know, I don't know about you, but I've always felt like something's going on more than I probably know. There's something happening in this world system that's way bigger than what I can even comprehend or understand. And if I try to figure it out, 
I'll find myself just going crazy inside of my head with theories and thoughts and what ifs and possibilities and how long and why is this happening and what are they doing and how wrong it is. All these crazy things start going around in my own head, which I would imagine they do in yours. But God has power to overcome any situation in your life and in my life. He's all powerful and he's not caught by surprise. And so what are we putting our faith in? All the things we hear in this world, the possible remedies, the possible solutions, uh, what everybody else is saying and doing, or are you trusting in what God says and what God does and who he is and in his power? And so Paul said, I came to you with a demonstration of power. One of the things that I'm planning to do, Next Wednesday, we're going to do communion together, so I want you guys to dial in, and uh, we'll be announcing it. We're going to literally receive communion. I'm going to do a little communion teaching next Wednesday, and you guys can take communion in your homes, and we will celebrate that together, and I'll do a teaching on communion, which I absolutely love to teach and talk about, but I also believe that I'm going to do a supernormal natural and uh, I've never done it before. And for those of you that have followed me over the years, supernormal natural, the premise of that is that the supernatural should be normal. And so walking in the power of God, you have. Number two, you don't have to come with excellence of speech or the wisdom of man and the wisdom of, of great words and be a great you know, orator. What you need to do is understand what it is that you believe in, why you believe in it, how it had an effect on your life, and share your story from a biblical standpoint. And that's all that I do, is I talk about the reality of it to me over all these years. And I want to be authentic, and I want to be genuine, and I want it to come from the depth of my heart. I'm not out to win followers or get more money. What we really should be out to do is win people to Jesus so that they can live this awesome life that we get to live. Yeah! Woo! So uh, I'm starting to get fired up in case you couldn't tell. You know, it's, uh, it takes a little while to warm up this crowd in here, I'll, I'll tell you. And so, um, so Paul says, look, you need you don't need to worry about excellent speech and preaching with great wisdom. What matters the most is, do you demonstrate the spirit and power? Do you demonstrate the spirit and power? And there's all different types of demonstrating this. It's we need the power of the spirit to overcome those things. I know that I did in my past. And so our faith should not be, we'll go back to verse five. Where should your faith be? Look at verse five. Where should your faith be? It should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Woo! Man, I love that. And so I'm just going to tell you all right now, my faith is in the power of God. I I have this great confidence and boldness that the Lord is way bigger than the circumstance of the world around me and whatever it is that you're facing. You know, last night I was telling you about this hip situation that I had, and apparently I had some infl- inflammation, and I can't even tell you the word that the doctor gave me this morning, but it's, it's like a form of bursitis or swelling in my hip. And when I woke up in the middle of the night, I was in excruciating pain, like excruciating pain. It hurt so bad. And so what did I do? Well, I turned to Psalm 139. And in Psalm 139, David says, if I say the darkness is going to overtake me, like literally I started to fear, I started to think something major happened, 
and all these lies and thoughts started bombarding my head. I was up all night. I couldn't sleep. I started shivering, and I didn't have a fever. And, but all these lies of the enemy were hitting me. Has that ever happened to you? That's probably the beginning of a panic attack. And that's what I started to feel was this fear and terror hitting me in the night. And I tell you those to know that I even have to stand against them as much as you do. And so what did I do? I got up. I put some clothes on. I went outside. I could barely walk. And I started praying in tongues. And I opened up my Bible. And I read that even the darkness to the Lord is light. Woo! So in my dark hour, I have answers. And I start confessing God's word. And I start praying in tongues. Because I don't know how to pray as I ought to. I don't, didn't know what in the world's happening to me. So I just, and I know some of you think that may be weird. And you don't pray in tongues. Or you go to that tongue talking church. Listen, there are over 25 scriptures directly correlated to praying in tongues. It is, it is a promise and a gift from God with a purpose. Because we don't know how to pray as we ought to. And it also gives us it connects us with the Spirit to pray in the Spirit in a supernatural, powerful way when it comes to intercession. And it edifies me. So in, in my moment of panic or fear or doubt or disbelief or worry, whatever it is, what's happening? I'm allowing these things to bombard my mind. So when I pray in the Spirit, I bypass my mind. And now I'm praying like I don't know how to in the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's interceding and I'm building myself up. And I pulled out of it. I, and I finally, after about five hours, was able to get some sleep, and uh, it was a rough night, but here I am, and I'm not backing down. I've been through a lot of hardship, and so have you. Why would you back down now? In fact, one of the things I've always learned is you get more aggressive when hardship comes, more aggressive. So if you're battling any of these things that I've talked about just now, I want to really encourage you. The Lord loves you. He's not giving up on you. And he's got a plan and a purpose, and he wants to teach you how to fight right so that you can pick yourself up, stand on his word, and see the miraculous works of God in your life. And so that's the demonstration of the spirit and power. And so we're going to bounce to a few other scriptures real quick. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to jump to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. Listen to what Paul says here. He says, for I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received. Oh, man, you got to catch this. And this isn't the first time that the Apostle Paul said that. Many times Paul said, I'm delivering to you what I received first. Let's say this together. Say, first he does it in me, then he does it through me. You have to have an in-you experience. And for me, everything that I teach from starts with an in-me experience. I own the messages because they become a reality to my life. And now that I've had an in me experience, I can deliver it to you. So Paul says, I am delivering to you that which I also received. And I love what he says, first of all, that which I also received. Colon, check this out. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Hundreds of prophecies. There was no New Testament Bible when the apostle Paul was walking. It was all the Torah, the Pentateuch, and Paul is saying, look, there were hundreds of prophetic promises in the Psalms, Psalm 15 and so many others that directly correlated to the Messiah, Jesus, and what he went through on the cross and laying his life down. And so he says, I'm delivering to you according to Scripture. Every single thing that we do has to be backed up by the Bible and backed up by God's Word. Everything. And so he says, 
that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried, that he rose again on the third day according to what? The scriptures. Now I understand there's a lot of people that have issues with the Bible and all the different translations and it was man-made and, you know, how do we know what version we can trust? You know what? There's about three or four versions that I've done my research on that I really enjoy. There's a whole lot of great versions out there. Stop getting hung up on these semantics. I know that there's some versions out there that are not healthy. Do your research, but understand that the, the scriptures are inspired by God. They were directly written so that we could have an understanding of what God has said and how to live our lives so that we can know what God is saying. Literally, this is what God has said. And then the Lord breathes on it and tells us what he's saying in the midst of it. Which is why when I bring these scriptures to life with you, what am I doing? I'm listening to the Lord and I'm trying to make them relevant to our everyday life and how you can apply it to your own life night and day. So, Paul says, I received it, now I'm delivering it to you, and what am I delivering? Jesus died for our sins, according to the scriptures, he was buried, and he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures, and that's what we're going to be uh, celebrating this coming weekend. And so, you've got to have it in you so that you can have it through you, and it has to be according to the scriptures. Read your Bible, read your instruction manual, learn. Do Bible studies. Get There's so many great apps that are out there right now that can help you to understand God's word. So many. And there's phenomenal teachers and Bible teachers out there. And so get into the word and learn it. Let's take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17. There was a big division and argument in, in this church where people were basically picking different leaders that they wanted to follow. And the church was very divided and there were a lot of different sects. And people were saying, well, I'm not of this preacher or this minister or this one and this one baptized me and this one didn't and Paul says listen our primary function is not to baptize even though baptism is very very important but the primary thing that we're doing is preaching the gospel which is good news that's first we preach the gospel how not with wisdom of words lest the cross should be made of no effect and this is the context of effect so literally the cross has an effect on our life why? Because we were the ones that should have hung on that cross. Jesus didn't do anything to deserve what he went through. He was sinless. He was perfect and he was spotless. But he had to be so that he could be the lamb of God, the perfect Passover lamb, literally be, be slain for our, in our own injustices that we've committed, take them upon himself so that he could redeem us and rescue us once and for all. And I know that sounds foreign to some of you, but you'll get it over time. You'll get it. Jesus took it all for you. Jesus took what you couldn't do. He did what you could never do. And so he says, it's not with wisdom of words. It's because if you use wisdom of words, what happens? You make the cross of no effect. When we desire to teach with wisdom of words, we actually cause the opposite of the purpose of the cross to happen. Only the Spirit gives life and makes us mindful of the things of God versus the things of man. So we need the Holy Spirit ruling and reigning in our minds and ruling and reigning in our hearts. And so the cross is made of no effect when you try to do it in your own strength. What does it mean to have no effect? It means that the cross becomes empty. It becomes void. It has no force, no power. It's useless. And literally it makes what I'm preaching to some people right now hollow or seem empty and false. That's how it would be if I was trying to do it in my own strength. But I'm not. I'm not that great. I'm not that great, but he makes me great. 
and he makes you great. And he redeems us and he gives us an opportunity to speak his word and then there's spirit behind it and there's life behind it because ministry is transference of life. Ministry is transference of life. It's taking what God has put inside of you and giving it away to somebody else. And so what's our choice going to be? It's either wisdom of words, men in this world, or it's the message of the cross led by the Holy Spirit. I'll take that one. Verse 18. 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, what is it? It's the power of God. Literally, the message of the cross to us that are being saved. What does it mean to be saved? Well, let me break it down for you. It's not some, you know, dig on Christianity that you see in a Hallmark movie or heard in a Van Halen song about being born again, that's not what it is. To be saved literally means the first thing that God does is he comes to your aid and he rescues you. Then he protects you. And then he makes you to be who you're called to be. He literally transforms you from the inside out as if you were born again. It's literally a new start, a fresh start, a wiping away of the past. And when you get born again, the Bible says that our spirit is joined together with God's spirit and we become one with him. But it's our soul realm that we need the Holy Spirit to work on. Our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. It's the seat of our mind, will, and emotions. You ever met an angry Christian? You ever met a Christian that's battling drugs and alcohol? You ever met a Christian that lays claim to loving the Lord and then, but has this like crazy jacked up life and process of life? Sure. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. That's why we need process. We need patience. We need God to come and work on us on the inside. And if you're battling all kinds of fear, anxiety, addiction, worry, doubt, bitterness, unforgiveness, but yet you've given your life to Jesus, you got to ask the Holy Spirit to come and begin to transform you and shape you and shift you into what God wants you to be. It's a literal metamorphosis of a transformation. And that only comes by the Holy Spirit working on your soul realm. So when you're born again, you're born again with the Lord in your spirit. But then God gives us the Holy Spirit to work on our soul realm. And so we need the Holy Spirit to bring us into true salvation in our life when we surrender all. So the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Who are those that might be perishing? It's those that have made a, a decision and devoted themselves fully to not do what God wants them to do, whether that's atheists, Satanists, or just agnostics that say, well, God may or may not, and you write guys like me off, or we write off all the preachers and pastors because of the jacked up stuff we've seen in the past, and you've got to understand that literally Paul is saying that this message becomes foolishness to you or foolishness to those types of people. The word foolish is moros in the Greek, and it means idiotic, moronic, it's stupid, it makes no sense, it's absurd, and it's silly, but it's actually not. And so to those of us that have said yes and entered into the process of salvation, this effect comes on us by the message and the power of the cross. And what is it? It's literally the fact that because of what Jesus did, I can now live with him. First, I have to die with him, then I live with him and rule and reign on earth as it is in heaven. And it literally means that God goes to work on my life like he did 
28 years ago when I got busted for drugs going to a Grateful Dead concert and I wound up facing prison time and it was when I finally came to my end that I said, Lord, I know you're coming after me. I surrender all. And God began to work on my life then and he's doing it as much, if not more, today. And so those of us that are being saved, the message of the cross is what? It's the power of God. Why? Because not only did Jesus die, but on the third day, he rose from the dead, which we'll talk about this weekend. And so when we believe the message, there's an effect that happens, and it revolves around the, the cross. Something supernatural happens to our life when we say, yes, I believe it, and I look to it, and I want to understand it and know it. He took my place. He became the sacrifice for me, and he did not grant me what I deserved. And so, Lord, I'm, I'm saying thank you, I believe it, I love it, and I want to know it, and I want to understand it, and then I want to take up my own cross. Because the message of the cross isn't just what Jesus did, it's also the fact that he calls us to take up our own cross and to follow after him and deny ourselves. That's what true discipleship is. So, anyone who says I believe and enters into God's covenant of salvation has this transformational power that happens into their life. And so Paul would go on to make it clear that his central message in a world of intellectuals, scholars, scribes, disputers was what? Preaching Christ crucified. And that God would actually make their earthly or lower logic or wisdom foolish because of Christ, which is the wisdom of God. That's all in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1 and chapter 2. Uh, but real quick, before we visit the cross anymore, let's revisit some basics of why Christ had to die for our sins. I talked some about that on Sunday when I talked about the blood of Jesus, but I want to give you a few other quick things. First off, Jesus had to reverse a curse. Everybody say, reverse the curse, Jesus. Jesus had to reverse the curse. And where did the curse come from? The curse came from Genesis Chapters 1 through 3, particularly chapter 3, when Adam and Eve chose to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and instantly infected all of humanity with a way worse virus and pestilence than COVID-19. It's the virus of human nature and sin literally outside of the headship and lordship of Christ. And so the next thing is you've got to start to get an understanding of a covenant promise made to Abraham. In Genesis 12, God made a covenant promise to Abraham and to Isaac and Jacob, but specifically to Abraham, that in Abraham's seed, all the nations of the world would come to know the Lord and be called blessed. That literally, that all of his descendants would be the nations of the world. So how would God reach the nations of the world? Well, he would reach it not only by making a covenant promise, but Jesus fulfilling that covenant promise. Because Jesus, being of the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, now all that look to him, the Bible says, we become the seeds of Abraham because of Jesus inside of us. So we're, we are an heir to the promise. Everybody say, I'm an heir to the promise. And so that's a lot of in-depth teaching. Some of that's going to be over some of your heads, and I don't have time to go all into all that right now. But I want to really pique your interest. Look at the, the covenant promises made to David and how messed up and jacked up he was, yet at the same time, he was a man after God's own heart. And I don't want to make the same mistakes that David did, but I want to be a man after God's heart just like he was. And so the next thing is, is 
I didn't get to go into it in depth on Sunday, but there is a critical need for a price to be paid for our sin, failures, and mistakes, and it's called atonement. And Leviticus 17, if you haven't read that, I'd encourage you to read it, really talks about how God reconciled us and he brought us back to himself because of this atoning sacrifice. And it would happen once a year. And the Jews still celebrate atonement once a year. But we have an atonement that's been made for for all eternity once and for all. And so the blood of Jesus, oh man, go back and listen to Sunday's message. Jesus would forgive our sins. He'd become our high priest. He'd give us his spirit. Hundreds of prophecies in the Old Testament regarding Jesus as the Messiah that have been fulfilled. And then let's just pull up uh, Galatians 3.13. Jesus would reverse the curse. Cursed is any man that hangs on a tree. So the, the dead tree that brought death to all mankind was the tree of knowledge and good and e- of good and evil. And that's why when the apostle says, I didn't come with excellence of speech, I didn't come with the wisdom of words of man, I came with the power of God. What he's really saying is, I came being spiritual, not intellectual. And that's why our intellectual, our intellect has to be crucified. So when Jesus hung on that cross, thorns in his skull, hung on a dead tree, the tree of the knowledge of good, he literally hung on it. And then what did he do? They put a purple robe on him before, which represents thistles, which was all a curse from the garden. Jesus reversed it all. He was crucified on Golgotha. We know it in the Greek as Calvary, which means the place of the skull. So Jesus literally reversed the curse. What's the curse? Your intellect. That's why I often say intellect is a terrible master, but it's a wonderful servant. So you don't lean on your own ability. You're not that smart. We're smart, but we're way smarter with the lordship and headship of Christ in our life. So anyway, there's much more to say in all of that. You have to understand covenant in order to have a good understanding of the cross. The cross was a fulfillment of covenant. Because Jesus was elevated on that cross, because he became the Lamb of God at Passover, literally what it is, he redeemed us and rescued us from the destroyer. We talked about this, that this morning on our Facebook Live with Solomon. Awesome understanding. The greatest Old Testament understanding of the cross and what the Messiah would ever endure on your behalf, I'm not going to read it right now as much as I'd like to, is Isaiah 53. I want to give you all homework tonight. And actually, why don't you meditate on it for the next seven days? Read Isaiah 53. I love just the first two verses of Isaiah 53. Talk about Jesus being a root or a stock, literally in the context of a tree. Because Jesus is the tree of life. And he wants us to eat from him. He wants us to abide in him. So go read Isaiah 53. You'll get a really good understanding of what happened on the cross. So... For today and for tonight, I want you to make the decision to not see the cross as foolish, but to search it out, read it, believe it, and make this understanding more prominent than anything else is to know Jesus and him crucified and the result that came from it. What's the effect? I became a son. When once I I was an orphan because of the cross, I'm adopted. One of my favorite all-time teachings and understandings of God's word is identity, is the fact that the result of covenant and the covenant that God made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and even all the way back to the garden, was family. And so because the cross, I now can be brought into the family because the price is paid. But what do I have to do? I have to believe it. This is John 1, 12. For all those who believe and receive, 
He gives the power to become sons. God wants you to be a son or a daughter. God wants you to enter into the covenant promise that he has for you right now in the midst of COVID-19. This is the most incredible time in a world of uncertainty. Mark my words, when this ends, so much of life as we, as we knew it's going to shift, but even if it doesn't with the gyms and the bars and the strip clubs, which some of my favorite things that's closed down during this time, strip clubs, the bars, there's, there's so many things that are going on in our society that are so contrary to God's design. I pray that those dancers get born again and saved. God's given me a unique ability to see a lot of dancers and strippers give their life back to the Lord. And no, I'm not going in witnessing in the strip club. But because of my past and because of the message, we've seen a lot of dancers give their life to Jesus even here at Rock City Church. And so I pray for those, those club owners. I pray for the strip club owners. I'm not praying that they would be destroyed and burned down. I'm praying that God would redeem the lives of the owners and the dancers so that they would convert that business to something better or shut it down. That's my prayer. And so during this time, it's a great time to give your life to the Lord because what's going to happen next? I think about it all the time. So this is happening, and then what? I preach this message to you, and then what? We're hearing great words and great worship, and then what? There's always an and then what in your life. And I've determined right now to make my and then what to be more powerful, more aggressive, more in love, more supernatural. I've determined more than anything to know Jesus more than I've ever known him before. In all things and in every situation, in every circumstance, I want to know Jesus more than I've ever known him before. And so if you don't know Jesus, if you've never given your life to Jesus, I cannot emphasize to you enough how important it is. I don't know how I can be any more convincing except to be authentic and genuine and sit here 28 years later. I'm fired up. I have an awesome family. I've got amazing friends and businesses and an amazing church. I love life more than I've ever loved it before. And I don't have to have the things that I used to have to lean on to find peace and comfort and strength. The peace that you get from Jesus is a peace that passes all understanding. You won't understand it until you say yes. And so right now in your home, in your room, wherever you're at, I want to challenge you and encourage you to give your life to Jesus. You can cry out for help right where you're at. And so would you pray this prayer with me? I want to lead you through a prayer of salvation. Or if you've walked away from the Lord or you're battling massive fear, worry, doubt, and insecurity, let's get our eyes on the cross. The good news of the cross is that Jesus overcame everything on our behalf. Everything I face and you face, every fear, every worry, anxiety, he overcame it. He can sympathize, he's compassionate, and he understands. And so whenever it's hard, I just compare my life to Jesus's. And I realize that I don't have it near as hard or difficult as he did. And so let's pray and give it all to him right now. Jesus, just pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I desperately need you. And I want to understand what you did on that cross thousands of years ago. What you took for me, my hurt, my pain, my shame, my bitterness, all the failures and mistakes and the people I've hurt, Lord, I give it all to you. Lord, I don't want to live my life on my own. I don't want to do it my own way. I want to do it your way. So I ask, Lord, for your kindness, your love to come into my life and rescue me, redeem me, protect me, deliver me, and change me from the inside out. I ask for help right now.